Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verses 22 through Colossians chapter, Colossians chapter 4, verse 1. If you would follow along. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. All right, children may be dismissed at this time. If you're going downstairs, children, you are dismissed. Colossians chapter 3 is where we will be this morning. I want to ask, uh, how many of you remember uh, your first job? I remember your first job. I hope you do. (laughs) Even those that are older, you should remember your first job. How many of you were excited for your first day of work? Okay. Uh, I, I, remember, I, I remember my first job. Now, this is going to sound weird in our culture today, but my first job uh, was when I was eight years old. Um, I had uh, a paper out delivering in the afternoon, a little, a little paper in our town called the Town Crier. Uh, basically, it was a bunch of ads, so I don't know why anyone wanted it. In fact, I don't think I ever even read any of it. But uh, we would, I would deliver this one day a week, um, and to, to my entire neighborhood, it was about 250 papers, and I was so excited that first day when I went out and did it, and I was even more excited when I got my paycheck. I got paid about $40 a month, so I was excited. I mean, as an eight-year-old, I'm, uh, you know, I was, I was loaded, and I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Now, two years later, I got a, n- a n- different job. As a 10-year-old, I got my first morning paper out, which meant uh, I, I deliver it every single day, and I got up, and, and I didn't mind doing that until summer came along. And suddenly, um, my parents were waking me up at 6 o'clock in the morning to go deliver newspapers. I didn't like that so much, but when I got my first paycheck, and I got paid $40 a week, then I was really excited about that. Now, since that point, I've had many, many jobs, um, and I'm sure many of you have. That first, uh, that second job I had more, I remember the first time that I thought about how I wanted to quit. Uh, it was, I, I had to get up early one day, it was uh, 6 o'clock in the morning, I had to get up, and the way our paper worked is we had to put two parts together every morning, and then, and then we'd go off, and I'd put it in, my, in my, my bag, and I'd hop on my bike, and I would go, and you know, you can picture a little 10-year-old me doing this, okay, going along, and, and then it started to pour, you know, kind of like this morning's rain. And I wasn't prepared for that, and by the time I got home, I mean, I was drenched. And I remember getting home thinking, I want to quit. My parents wouldn't let me, and they instilled in me the idea that you don't quit just because you don't like what you're doing. But since those first two jobs, as I said, I worked many jobs. Uh, in, in, in high school and college, I had many times I worked many jobs at the same time. Uh, when I was in college during my summers, uh, I worked most summers, I worked 70 to 80 hours per week just to pay my way through college, and, and I was thankful I was able to do that. 
regardless of what your job was, work has probably been a huge part of your life. Now, for some of you, your, your kids or your teens or maybe even your college, right now your full-time employment, <laughs> you actually pay for, and that is you go to school. And some of you may work jobs on the side, but right now your job is to go to school. Some of you, you have been, or at least at this point, you're, you're, you stay at home. You're stay-at-home moms or, or wives, and, and uh, maybe we have a stay-at-home dad here or uh, husband, but uh, you, that, is, that is your job. That is your work, and, and, and we all know that that is, is clearly you work as much as those of us who go to work every day. And some of you here are retired. I mean, you've worked your job for many years, and, and now you can uh, not have to. Uh, and, and you can do what God has for you. But the, the point of what I'm trying to make here is that work is a huge part of everyone's life in this room. The U.S. Department of Labor estimated that the average adult between the ages of 25 and 54 works approximately 8.8 hours a day. You say, well, yeah, that's about average. Many of you work more, some of you work less, but that is what we spend. Now, that's the one thing that we spend the most time doing in our day. Second being sleep. The average American sleeps 7.6 hours a day. And so the one thing we do more than anything else we do in our day is work. And so if we spend so much time working, doesn't it make sense that it matters to God? Doesn't it make sense that this would be an area that God would want us to address, yet, honestly, it's probably not something we discuss much in churches. And so I want to address that today. I want to see what God has to say about work. What God has to say about our labor. Now, I'm not going to exhaust this study. We're just going to look at what it says here in Colossians because there are many other places where it talks about that. But before we get into our text, I want to just address three things with you before uh, we get into the text so you understand. First of all, I want you to understand that the text we're looking at, Paul is actually speaking to slaves, not employees. Okay, I want you to understand that sometimes when you hear a message preached on this, it's, 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 you know, the preacher will say, hey, this is, this is written to employees. No, it's not. It's written to slaves. Okay? But I believe that from this, uh, from this passage written to slaves, we can from that derive a, a very good um, philosophy or principles of work. Okay, and so I want you to understand that. And so it is not written to us as employees, but I think the, the principles are there. So you will hear me at times maybe interchange, and I want you to understand that. Secondly, I want you to understand that even though Paul is addressing slaves, Paul is addressing masters, uh, we should not conclude from that that Paul is endorsing slavery. Okay, I want you to understand that. Um, I, I think we have to understand that Paul is, is speaking to the context in which he lived. And the context in which he lived was there was slavery. Uh, and, and yet, he is not saying it's okay. He's just telling them in that context how to interact. Third, I want you to see, just like we did last week with children, I want you to notice that it's, it's even amazing just the fact that Paul is addressing slaves. Paul is speaking to them as if they, they are equals. We talked about that with children last week, that, that slaves uh, would not have been addressed. and In fact, they were not seen as equal, but yet Paul puts them on an equal standing. We looked at this earlier in Colossians chapter 3, where Paul says there is no difference between slave and free. 
that, that in the church, in, in life, they're, they're equal. And so uh, we need to understand that, that that places the responsibility on each of them to obey God and not just the, the masters, but also the slaves and vice versa. So Paul is addressing them. So now with those ideas in mind, let's begin to get into the text. But before we do that, let's pray. God, we are thankful that we can look at this passage today. And I, I, as I look at this, I understand you, you place a high value on our work, how we work, because we are doing it for your glory. Lord, as believers, our, our, our response to work should be different than those who do not call you Savior. So Lord, I pray that we as Christian workers, as Christian employees, as Christian employers, that we, we, will be a, we will stand above everyone else. That our work will be the best it possibly can for your glory. Lord, I pray you help us to be open, even as I preach this message, to the ways that you want us to change as a result of this. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Just real two, two simple points this morning. First of all, God has a plan for the Christian employees. Now, many of you here are employees, and I believe that God has a plan for you. Even though that we do not have slavery today, it's important to understand what slavery was so that we understand the essence of these verses. This word here used, bond servant, describes one who is uh, bound to another, usually in a permanent involuntary service. Slavery in, in the Greek and Roman culture that Paul is writing to was even different than what we see in the Old Testament with uh, the Jews. Uh, if you study the Old Testament, you see in the Old Testament there was uh, the idea the Jews had was there was ways that, the, that these slaves could go free. The Jewish and, and, I mean, the Greek and Roman culture did not have that. These, these slaves were, were permanent slaves. And, and in fact, they had very little say in what they did. Slavery was very uh, prevalent in the Roman culture. It is estimated during the time of Christ that every one out of every two persons was a slave. Think about that. 50% of the people that lived at that time were slaves. Slaves didn't have a say in anything they did. They didn't, they didn't decide uh, what they were going to do that day. They didn't decide. In fact, slaves were not even allowed to marry in the Roman culture. Many of them would, would have um, unofficial weddings where they would marry someone um, and it was illegal in a sense. And so from that they would have children and their children then that they would have would then be the ownership or the property of their master. They had very little say. And so it's with that understanding of that horrible nature of slavery that Paul begins to address them. It is not uh, as important uh, what... Uh, the slaves were told to do, but what they were told to do here was to obey. Um, and so I want you to understand that. And I want to use that idea as principles for us as far as Christian employees. And I want to look at two aspects. First of all, Christian employees must work obediently. It's interesting to note, if you look at uh, chapter 3, verse 22, it says, bond servants obey. Now back in verse 20, it says children obey. It's the same exact Greek word. And so if you remember last week when we talked about this, this Greek word means to listen under. And in other words, the idea there is that you listen with the intent of doing what you were told, that you listen with the idea that I'm going to comply. And so here he tells these servants to, to listen under. 
And though I don't believe that Paul is endorsing slavery at all, it is, he is also not endorsing rebellion by slavery, by slaves, I should say. He is saying, hey, if you are a slave, obey. We see that even in Paul's other writings. As I told you earlier when we did this study of Colossians, um, uh, there, there was an individual that was probably in this church in Colossae by the name of Philemon. Okay, Philemon was a slave owner. And Philemon had a slave by the name of Onesimus. And Onesimus had, had run away from home. And in the process of running away from home, he found himself um, meeting Paul. And when Paul met him, Paul said to Onesimus, in a sense, Onesimus, this is not what you should have done. This was disobedience and, and so you should, because you are under the authority of your master, you should return. And so Paul convinces Onesimus to return. And we see this in the book of Philemon. And, and Onesimus turns, returns to Philemon. So Paul is writing to this church knowing that Philemon is, is here. And so he, he told us from that, though, there are a couple of things he showed us. First of all, he's saying, slaves, it's not okay for you to disobey. And he also teaches the other side, which we'll get into later, and that is masters, you should be fair in how you deal with your uh, servants. But we'll continue on. So none of you are slaves, but every one of you has a boss. If you are, uh, uh, at least most of you probably have bosses if you work. Um, and we can see some principles here. And we see there this idea of o- o- obeying your master, obeying, in your case, your boss. Well, t- I want to give you some clarifying statements. First of all, he says obedience must be complete. Notice what he says in verse 22 again. Bond servants obey in what? In everything. We saw this same idea with children. It said children obey in everything. That means there is no sense where we as employees can say, I don't want to do this. We've got to obey in everything. Now, there is always the, the caveat that if your master, or in your case, and your boss is telling you to do something you think is against the will of God, then you obey God first. But other than that, you have the responsibility to obey. I remember when I was in college, as I said, I had many jobs. Okay, when I was in college, I got a job at Taco Bell. Um, I thought it would be great, but it wasn't. Uh, but uh, as a college student anyway, I thought it would be great. I don't now. It doesn't sound fun now. But uh, I got a job at Taco Bell, and, and uh, because I was a college student, I was um, my, my, I'm trying to say this in a nice way, but uh, my qualifications were much higher than anyone else that worked at Taco Bell. And so immediately, as soon as they hired me, they made me a shift manager, Okay. And so I was a shift manager, which meant I would oftentimes close the restaurant out and make sure everything was set for the next morning. And, uh, and as a shift manager, then I was the boss. And I was 22 years old at the time. And surprisingly enough, as a 22-year-old, I was the oldest person that worked at that Taco Bell. Our manager was 21. And so I was the oldest person that worked there. And so uh, I had some authority in that sense, but I also had some authorities because I was a shift manager. Well, one night... Uh, we, were, uh, we were finishing up, and we worked on Friday night. Our, our store, our restaurant, was open until 2 o'clock in the morning, and so then after that, we would have to clean up and prepare for the next morning, and so oftentimes we wouldn't get out of there until uh, 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning. One particular time, uh, a couple of my s- staff had to leave, and so it was just me and a, a teen guy and a teen girl. And I said to 
uh, one of the, to, the, to the girl, I said, hey, um, you know, can you please go clean the girl's bathroom, the woman's bathroom? And she looked at me and she said this, I don't do that. And I said, well, tonight you do. And she said, nope, and you can't make me. And you know what? She was right. I couldn't do anything to make her. And so I said to the young man, can you go clean the bathrooms? Nope, I'm not doing that. So guess who did? Me. Um, I, you know, as the shift manager, had to go do that, which was fine. You know what? We don't have the right to respond that way. We are told by God to obey in everything. I know that not every aspect of the job that you do is something you enjoy. I know that there are many times that you are asked to do something that, that you would rather not do. We all have had jobs where, there, in fact, probably every job we've had, there's been things where we'd say, you know, I'd rather not do this. But as a Christian employee, God says to you, obey in everything. You say, well, you don't understand what I have to do. It, no. Obey in everything. Remember, the context is talking to slaves. I am sure there were times when they were like, I don't want to do this. Obey in everything. But not only is obedience to be complete, but secondly, obedience must be sincere. Notice what he says as he continues on. He says in, in verse 22, Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Now, it's interesting, he makes a distinction between God and that. We'll get to that later. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. We've got we to gotta break down this verse a, a little bit here but, um, and see what it says. See, the working world in our society is often about doing everything they can to one-up those that they work with. You know, the culture we live in tells us that uh, you, you, you do everything you can to make sure that you get the promotion. Now, you hear the phrase before. What, what, what's the phrase? This is a dog-eat-dog -dog world, right? The idea is, is that uh, if, if I'm up for a promotion with someone else, I am going to tear them down and build myself up so I get the promotion. But it says here in this passage, Paul says, no, not with eye service. Doing that which is sincere. Working hard, not because the boss is watching. I remember another job I had when I was 17 years old. I worked at uh, General Electric headquarters in Connecticut. And I worked in the cafeteria. Uh, now, this was a nice cafeteria. It's not what you normally think of because it was the executive cafeteria, and so they had good food, uh, really good food. And, uh, I mean, once a week they had Flamin' Young for the executives. Okay, that's the type of place it was. Well, I got the job because the, the guy who, who ran not only this cafeteria but numerous cafeterias in that area was a guy who went to my church, and, and so he gave me this job, and, and he told me, he said, I want you to work hard, and, and I said, I, I can do that, and so I'll work hard. Uh, but he was kind of the, you know, he was the head boss, and so he was feared. And everyone looked at him, and, and when he showed up, people would work hard. There was this one particular lady that I worked with. Her name was Becky, and, and Becky was the type that, she was lazy as can be until the boss walked in the room. 
And as soon as the boss walked in the room, she was the hardest worker. I mean, she would just, she would go all around all crazy and she would work as hard as she possibly can and the boss would leave and she would be lazy. And because of that, she, she just got by enough. She had been doing this for years. She had been working at this company for something like 15, 20 years and, and uh, that's how she had worked all the way through it. I, I'm not sure how she got away with that, but she did. Well, that particular summer, I was asked to work there and, and when people would go on vacation, I would fill in for their responsibilities and so uh, Becky was going on vacation so they came to me and they said, hey, while Becky's gone, we're going to have you fill in for Becky's responsibilities and we'll take your responsibilities and divide up from everyone else. And I thought, okay, I can do her responsibilities. They don't look that challenging, really. And I knew how lazy she was, and so I thought I can do this. Well, Becky came to me before she left, and she said, whatever you do, don't work too hard, because I don't want you to make me look bad. Like I said, she was, I've been there a while. She was, in my mind, she was an old woman. She was probably my age now, okay? But that's how I worked as a 17-year-old. And I I remember, I looked at her, and I said, I'm going to work hard because it's my job. So those two work weeks went, came and went, and at the end of the two weeks, my, uh, my, my supervisor came to me. He was the head chef at that particular location. He came to me and said, you know what? I am really impressed with how hard you've worked. You've done your job. Uh, you did most of your job, and you did her job, and you did it way better than she ever did. And so we're going to promote you. And all of a sudden I went, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. So sure enough, the next week comes and, and, and Becky shows up and they tell her, you have been demoted to the beginner person's job and he took your job and, and she comes and she corners me. And now when I say corners me, you might be thinking, you know, what are you talking about here, okay? I was probably about 140 pounds at that time and she was easily double my weight, okay? And so she literally cornered me in this spot and just stood there and trapped me and said, I am going to get you. You know, that is an example of someone who was only concerned about eye service. She wasn't one who was saying, hey, I'm going to work. It's interesting, when you look at this verse, it says here that we should, not, we, we, we should, ser- we should obey in everything, not with eye service. You know what's I- ironic about that, that phrase? That phrase actually in the Greek, better translation would be eye slavery which is interesting since he's talking to slaves. See, they would get what that means. The idea of that is this, is that as soon as the boss leaves, it's like, man, you are so, you are so concerned about the boss that you cannot keep your attention off of him, and as soon as he walks away, you do whatever you want. It's all about what he sees. It describes a work done without dedication or a sense of inner obligation or, or, or hard work no matter what but it's simply to impress and attract attention. And you become enslaved to it. Paul says that is not the type of work that we should be doing. Remember, he's talking to believers who are saying, hey, hey, I have a new identity. And so your new identity says you're not that type of worker. But then he goes on and he says this. He says, not with eye slavery or as people pleasers. Man, there are many people in this world that are people pleasers. You say, what's the distinction there? The distinction is this, is an eye slavery is the one who only does hard work when they're in vision of the boss. But a people pleaser is one that, man, they might work all the time really, really hard, but it's only to please someone. And it's not to please God. 
You see the difference? What Paul is saying here in this passage is, is our work should not be done in a way that's just to impress others. That we act merely so that our, uh, our boss or our coworkers or, or even, even our spouse thinks that we're a hard worker. That, that you, you, you sacrifice your principles to please others. That you sacrifice what you, you want to do. You know, it's the, the idea that you do everything you can to butter up the boss. Surveys say that one out of every four workers say they will compromise their beliefs to get ahead on the job. And an even higher percentage, three out of every four workers will justify unethical actions on the job for the personal advantage of themselves. Where does this come from? This is this decades of, of being taught this moral relativism that what I think is right is right, and so it doesn't matter if I compromise my standards because I can just change my standards so that I can get ahead in the job. But here's the problem where it comes in. I expect that from the world. But unfortunately, we as Christians many times are no different. And we should be. There should be a dramatic difference between the way you work and the way your coworkers work. And Paul is saying here in this passage that our, our obedience should not be about eye service. It should not be about pleasing people only. But Paul says is as people who have a new identity who are seeking heavenly things, there should be a different frame of mind when it comes to our work. And then he gives two phrases. Look what he says in verse 22 again. He says this, not by eye service, not as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Sincerity of heart there just simply means a, a singleness of focus, an uprightness, a mental honesty. It is the idea of being motivated by one purpose without a hidden agenda, without a selfish desire. But what does that look like for us as believers? When the Christ-centered, spirit-filled, word-filled employee obeys, it's not a forced obedience, but a genuine obedience. An obedience that comes from a, a transformed, grace-energized heart. In other words, it means... What you see is what you get. There's no hypocrisy. It's not this idea of, you know, the boss comes in and says, hey, can you please take care of this for me? Yes, sir, I will do that. And he walks away and goes, I can't stand that guy. There's none of that. It's a sincere yes. That doesn't mean you respect your boss. It doesn't mean you love everything he does. Just like all these other relationships we looked at, the, 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 the husband with the wife and, and the parents with the child, it, this is not based on how they perform. God says these commands are given to you regardless. I mean, I, I said, I've had a number of jobs. I've had some really bad bosses. Okay? My, my last one was not one of those. Okay, Pastor Miller, he was a fantastic boss. But I've had some really bad bosses. And there's times where, man, it's tempting to just say, eh, to disrespect, to, to disobey on purpose. And what Paul says here is, no, there needs to be a sincerity of heart. 
And then he says the second phrase. He says, fearing the Lord. Now, in the general sense, that phrase, fearing the Lord, means an awe of God and his authority in our life. But when, it, when you relate it to this, it's in the manner of we should obey, and we should obey with, with just one reason, and that reason is for Christ's sake. I want to give you an example of this, and you may say this doesn't really sound like a great example because he's the king, but I think this is a really good, uh, maybe this even should be a motto of many of us as, as employees. It says this, Thus Hezekiah, who was king, but he notice what, how, he, how he lived his life. Notice how he worked. Did throughout all of Judah, and he did what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. It wasn't about impressing anyone. It wasn't about um, trying to get ahead. I mean, yeah, he was king, so he was already ahead. But it wasn't about any of that. It was about pleasing God. Now notice what it says, in every work that he undertook, every work that he undertook in the service of the house of God and in accordance with the law and commandments, seeking his God, he did with all his heart. Can you imagine if we had that type of uh, motto as Christians working in our, in our secular jobs? I will do everything in my power to serve my God through this job. And this leads us to the second point that I want to make about Christian employees. First of all, Christian employees must work with obedience. But secondly, Christian employees must work purposefully. So I, I said there needs to be a sincerity of heart, but, uh, and that sincerity means a singleness of focus. But what is that focus? Let's continue on in this passage. Look at verse 23. It says, Whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance of reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for, for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. He continues with this, this, this idea of this work relationship, uh, but tells us that no matter what the situation, just work hard. Just work hard. It's a, it's a Nike, Nike phrase, just do it. Just work hard. And this idea of heartily is this, this idea of uh, enthusiastically, uh, joyfully, with, with as much excitement as you can give. You know, whatever your responsibility, if you're an electrician, be the best electrician you can for the glory of God. If you're an accountant, do it for the glory of God. If you're a carpenter, if you're a lawyer, whatever the responsibility, whatever the job God has given you, do it with everything you got. Reflect the fact that you're a Christian in the way that you live. H.A. Uh, Ironside, who, was, who um, before he passed away, was the, was the pastor of Moody Church in Chicago. He used to tell his students about a maid that he had met, and, and people would ask her, how do you know that you're a Christian? How, how, how do you know that God has changed your life? And this is what she said. I know I'm a Christian because now I actually clean under the furniture. The idea there is, you know what, I, I don't cut corners. I don't, I don't just do the things just to get by. Now I, I, I work, and I work hard because I have a different purpose, because my purpose is glorifying Jesus in everything that I do. And so I believe Paul gives us two motivations in this passage for why we should work so hard. First of all, is Jesus is the reason for hard work. Jesus is the reason for hard work. In, in, in verse 22, he's already said we should be motivated by not pleasing people, but he goes on in verse 20, 
uh, 3 and, sa- and adds to that, and he says there in 23, uh, not for man, but for the Lord. This is where people might look at you funny if you explain to them your philosophy of work as a believer that says, hey, my motivation is Jesus Christ. You know, why do you do what you do? My motivation is Jesus Christ. Your motivation is not promotion. Your motivation for your work should not be self-glory. Here's a tough one. Your motivation should not be to make more money. Now, as a Christian, is it wrong to make money? No. Is it wrong to, to, uh, to work so hard that we get a promotion? No. Okay, but that, that should not be our primary motivation why you work hard. Your motivation should not be your reputation. Your motivation is, above everything else, Jesus Christ. An old preacher by the name of Henry Robinson used to say this, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets, say that quickly, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or as Beethoven composed music, or as Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that the host of heaven will pause and say, here lived the greatest street sweeper who ever lived. We don't often view it that way, do we? And we view some jobs as, oh man, these, are, these jobs, oh man, these things, this is, this is such a worthy calling. No, every calling that God has given to us, whatever your job is, is a, a call from God to serve and work. That is why I, I, I'm so much against the idea of, uh, of thinking that we can put aside our Christianity when we go to work. Way too many Christians do that. Now, when you walk into your employment, you are walking in as a representative of Jesus Christ. And it may be that you work in a place where you're not allowed to share your faith. But you better share your faith by the fact that you work your, your hardest for the glory of God. Your work may be tedious. You may have an employer who doesn't appreciate you, who doesn't pay what you're worth. You may want to quit. You may be tired of your job. You may get worn down, but you are not working for those people. You are not working just for yourself. You're not working just to provide for your family. You are working for the glory of God. Do your work so the Savior in heaven can say, well done. Remember, none of us are slaves, and so none of us can have uh, a job as bad as the slaves, the, the original readers of this passage. And so our motivation, our reason for hard work is Jesus. But second thing I want you to notice about this is Jesus is the rewarder of hard work. Our motivation is Jesus, but we're told that uh, there are rewards. Now, these rewards come in two forms. They come in a positive and a negative form. A positive for those who work hard and a negative one for those who do poor work. Let's look at those two. First in verse 24, he says, he says in that passage, knowing, continuation from the previous, working heartily it should be for the Lord, knowing that from that same Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. He says there that there is positive rewards. Now, I want you to remind you again, as I've been saying, who was this written to? This was written to slaves. 
Now, for a slave to hear he was going to receive an inheritance was huge. A slave would never have inheritance. In fact, a slave did not, uh, for the most part, ever own a material possession whatsoever. Anything that they had in their possession was actually the property of their master. And so for a slave to hear the idea that you are going to receive an inheritance is a huge, huge thing. Knowing that hard work for the glory of God would produce a reward motivated them, and it should motivate you. Now, in that passage, he says you will receive. Uh, interesting wording about that passage is not just like you'll receive a little. No, it's the idea of you'll receive the full inheritance, the full amount. But not only do we receive this heritage, but an inheritance, but notice what it says. It's, it's, it's a reward as if you deserve it, but the reality is you do not. It's really an interesting paradox in this, in this passage because it's a slave who, who's written to slaves who were owned and they own nothing of their own and yet they're pictured here as receiving a reward and this reward is an inheritance. Why? Because we're no longer slaves but we're free men in the Lord. And therefore we're heirs of God. What an incredible amount of grace that is. See, it's this. It's, it's that I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard for the glory of God, and God is saying, I already have a reward for you, not because you deserve it. But that should motivate us then to work hard. It should motivate us to be people who will say, okay, I'm going to do, do everything I can heartily for the Lord, for Him. Now, this idea of inheritance is spoken often throughout the New Testament, and most of the time we see an inheritance mentioned, it's referring to either the kingdom of God or, or salvation, and it's not saying that because you work hard, you go to heaven. No, what it's saying is this. It's kind of the other side of it. It's saying that, that as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as one who has a new identity in Christ, you already have an undeserved reward waiting for you of eternal life. So this should motivate you to work hard. This should motivate you. Then, then second, we notice the negative. Look at verse 25. He says, For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Now, this is the counter here. The counter to that is reminding the slave or the employee that laziness and poor working choices will result in a reward as well. But This one's a negative one. The reward here is, is, uh, is earthly, but there seems to be some implications for end times as well. But it's, it's the idea that there will be, there, there is consequences of that. Now maybe, uh, maybe it's earthly in the sense that if you're lazy, you're, you're not going get, to uh, get rewarded at your workplace or, or, or you're not going to be able to hear God say, well done for doing that. But uh, it is nonetheless, they're saying there's consequences there. And, and then he ends with saying there's no partiality. God's not going to look down and go, okay, Okay, uh, because I love you so much, I'm going to forget about it. No, he's going to say, he says there is no partiality in that, and so God is telling us. So we are to understand that God expects us to work hard. Why? For the glory of God. And as a result, we will receive rewards because of God's grace to us. But secondly, I want to close, and I'm not going to be as long on this, but I want to close on, on the second point, and that God has a plan, plan for Christian employers bosses. Now some of you in here, that's you. I got to tell you, when, when I became pastor here, I was, I was excited about it. 
And it wasn't until after I had actually uh, been voted in as pastor, uh, a couple weeks later, actually, I realized, oh, I'm a boss. I have people under me that I have to lead. That's a huge responsibility. If you are a Christian and you are a boss, your philosophy should be greatly impacted by the word of God. Look what he says to the masters. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Just like we should be as employees, we should be the hardest working, the the most ethical uh, employees ever. As bosses, you should be the counter of that. You should be the fairest boss, the best boss you possibly can be for the glory of God. There's two statements I want to give about employees or employers. Employers shouldn't treat employees with fairness. He tells them to be just and fair, which was not normal in the culture Paul was writing to. Remember, they were slaves. They were mistreated. They were, they were treated harshly. They were treated unfairly. They were at times even physically abused. And Paul says to them, it shouldn't be that way. Be fair. A a phrase there that we see there in verse 1 of justly and fairly is the idea of of treating with complete fairness in everything that you do. If you're a boss, be fair. Give fair wages. Be gracious with your employees. Support their work. Compliment them. Support their, uh, support their private lives, their personal lives. Understand their, 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 their importance to their family. Give them time with their family. Be, be fair in that sense. Ne- never be harsh with your employees. Never yell and scream at your employees. Now you can correct them. Okay, that's a necessity. You don't let them walk over you, but you can even rebuke them without being harsh and mean. And that is what Paul is saying is, is as, as people who have been changed by the blood of Jesus Christ and who have a new identity, this should come out in the way that you deal with those who are under your leadership. You should be fair and kind-hearted. You should be loving. You should be people who, who in a sense, put your employees above yourself. Many of you are familiar uh, uh, with a person by the name of Truett Cathy. He was the founder of Chick-fil-A. He uh, opened his first restaurant in, in 1946, and, and when he opened it, he started with the, immediately with the philosophy that we we're going to be closed on Sundays. Why? To give his employees time with their family and the opportunity to go to church because he wanted his employees to know that their family had a gr- huge priority and that their faith had a huge priority. Now, it's still today, many years later, there are well over a thousand Chick-fil-A's and they still run it that way. And many times he's been asked later, do you realize how much money you're losing by not being open on Sunday? And he said, that doesn't matter to me. My employees matter more. My relationship with God matters more than all of that. He had a slogan that he would often say, and it was this, put people and principles before profit. That should be the slogan of any of you here who are bosses. Put people and your principles as a Christian 
above the profit. Because that is not what matters the most. Again, like we said, with those other relationships we talked about, it's not based on them, it's based on you. Employees, you work hard even if your boss is not kind. Employers, be fair and kind even if your employees are not hard workers. But then we see next, he says, employers should also be obedient to their masters, Jesus Christ. Notice how he ends that. Be fair and just, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. (laughs) Here's what Paul does. He stops it by saying this. Don't forget, you have a boss as well. But your boss is Jesus Christ. Your boss is not an earthly boss. Your boss is a a heavenly boss. And so uh, uh, keep that in mind. And so above else, anything else that you can have in your responsibilities at work, your responsibility is to supervise and to serve for the glory of God. We are all called as Christians to be ambassadors in our workplace, to be ambassadors uh, to the people that we serve as, as bosses and to be ambassadors as the people that serve as employees. We are called to do that, and we are to do it for the glory of God. Christians, you should be known as the best worker in your workplace. Maybe you're not the most skilled. Maybe you're not the fastest but you're the hardest working employee for the glory of God. Bosses that are are believers, that should hugely impact the way that you interact with with your employees. You should do it in a way that is fair for the glory of God. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for this, this passage, or this is not a topic that maybe we talk about all the time, but it, it's, it's a, obviously a topic that impacts a huge part of our life. And so, Lord, I pray that you help each of us in here, that we will lead in a way as in, uh, employers and, and follow in a way as employees that, that is for your glory, not for our own. And Lord, I pray that you help us to honor you, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.